Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. The first story I hear about. Tune into WIBC. Crank on the radio. And this is the first story I hear about since I've been away from vacation. This teacher from this Catholic elementary school in East Chicago. Hammer, did you hear about this? The uh, She was arrested yesterday. She admitted making a, quote, kill list that included the names of students and staff. So she was basically like Steve Buscemi's character in Billy Madison, right? Yeah. Where he had this right. list of people to kill. Or Tom Cruise in the movie Collateral right. with Jamie Foxx. Had a list of... Uh, people to assassinate but those were fictional tales this is real life and listen you can't take this stuff light anymore i don't know if this lunatic was joking if she was doing it to be funny to her colleagues or if she legitimately had a people to kill the way this reads is this wasn't something like i'm sure we've all at one point or another in being a parent or being around a ton of unruly kids i'm gonna kill that kid you know right just you know losing it a little bit but obviously no harm no real physical harm was intended and trust me i've been around a bunch of fourth graders we went to the field trip a couple of weeks ago at uh, camp tecumseh i i was i was that guy i was like hey get out from there get, get out <laughs> you, I mean, fourth grade kids are crazy, man. Keeping it in the Billy Madison family, you became Chris Farley as the bus driver. <laughs> yeah, I was Chris Farley in that cabin with 10 other kids. But no point whatsoever was there any thought of harm or even writing it down, making a, a, a list. And this was a 25-year-old teacher, Angelica Torres, taken into custody at her home in Griffith after officers obtained an emergency detention order from the Lake County Prosecutor's Office. A student was the one that found out about this, and it turns out the student was on the list. So loose licks, oh, lips are sinking ships man. here. The kid found out somehow and said, uh, yeah, one, I don't think this is appropriate. And two, I'm on the list. <laughs> I, I can see where people, parents, administration, staff might right. have other teachers might have a problem with this, especially in this day and age. She was escorted into the principal's office where police said she allegedly admitted to the principal that she did, in fact, make those statements to the student and confirm that she had a kill list. I mean, it's one thing to to have a kill list. It's another thing to tell other people about it. Is that a cry for help? I'm glad she did. I mean, ultimately, I'm glad she did because Lord knows if she was going to act out on this thing or not. But still... 25-year-old teacher does not need to be putting kids on a people-to-kill list. And this is something we talk about all the time with the with the great teachers that are in our school corporations, the kids that, the, that are being taught by teachers in the elementary school they go to. Uh, those teachers, they're awesome. They really are. And my kids, my kids loved love their teachers and i could see it i saw it when i was um chaperoning one of those uh field trips i saw the kids love their teachers man and the teachers love them back but these kinds of stories you know it just makes the good teachers roll their eyes you know it's just a crazy teachers unions and some of their shenanigans on a national level make the good teachers just roll their eyes much like with 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 you know how we talked about good cops would you know hate bad cops within their organization more than they hate criminals almost because right. you're making the whole group yes. look bad yeah uh one of the 
excuses I gave while you were gone so long, Nige, was you were embedded with Liz Cheney and you were following the January 6th committee hearings. <laughs> I don't know if you got any text messages that were asking you how the uh, the hearings were going. No, I just I, I got one yeast infection text, <laughs> uh, but I did not get any of me embedded with Liz Cheney. So the uh, the good time party boys and girls of the January 6th committee issued a subpoena for former President Donald Trump mm. uh, to come in and uh, speak to the committee. Isn't that funny, Hammer? Of course, this is the first committee hearing in months, just days before the midterm elections. What do you make of the timing of all this? They called Trump in to testify. They've never produced any evidence that connects him to the Capitol, right? And now, months later, yeah, we'll just throw out a subpoena. Subpoenas, there's a federal challenge in court that uh, it has to do with whether or not their ability to issue subpoenas is, is legal in the first place. So timing is suspect here. And one of the things Guy Relford and I talked about yesterday was that this really wasn't even the biggest story that came out of the news cycle. The economy is the biggest story. The inflation numbers that came out yesterday. So think about all the time and the resources and the money that are being spent on this January 6th committee for a guy that hasn't been in office in two years. For what? To be the second story of the news day? Nobody gives a damn. Well, this is a, a fake show trial uh, with no dissent or cross-examination or pushback. And uh, third-hand testimony, hearsay, oh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Trump grabbed the wheel of the limousine and tried to drive himself to the <laughs> that, that, that right. woman that, I forget her name, but I, she, she's completely discredited. Um, and by the way, just as an aside here, before we get Trump's response, he has responded to this. You guys got to understand that the guy, the committee chair, Representative, uh, it's Benny Thompson, Democrat out of Mississippi. Quote, this isn't about politics. It's about facts. Well, what facts? They they say Trump had a personal role in the riot, but there's no evidence hammer. And by the way, Benny Thompson, don't let him fool you. He's guilty by definition, as many others are on this panel, of trying to overthrow democracy by objecting to past presidential election results. That's their definition of trying to, quote, overthrow democracy. They're all guilty of the same thing that Trump is being accused of. Where were their subpoenas when they were actively trying to overthrow democracy by objecting to past presidential election results? They're all guilty. And we've played montage after montage mm -hmm. of the same people wagging their finger at Donald Trump doing the exact same thing. Now, the orange man has responded. There he is. He put out a statement. It's a long. I'm just going to read you a little bit of it here. Quote, the same group of radical left Democrats who utilize their majority position in Congress to create the fiction of Russia, Russia, Russia. Impeachment hoax number one. Impeachment hoax number two. two. The $48 million Mueller report, which ended in no collusion. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. The atrocious and illegal spying on my campaign and so much more are the people who created this committee of highly partisan political hacks and thugs <laughs> whose sole function is to destroy the lives of many hardworking American patriots whose records in life have been unblemished until this point of attempted ruin. Yeah, I mean, it's it's embarrassing for the people that are trying to take him down because they've really had zero success. I mean, some ancillary players like Papadopoulos and 
some, some you know, uh, lying to authorities or something like that. that right. Guy, I mean, they've had to spend like a, a partial, a half day in jail or something like that. It had no real success. Right. I, mean, I guess if you want to count Michael Cohen, his shyster lawyer. Roger right? Stone, Roger Michael Stone. Cohen, and Papadopoulos. If that's considered a success <laughs> for you guys, do your victory lap. By all means, get out here on Monument Circle, take your, you know, no justice, no peace flag, and run around and do a victory lap. <laughs> this is all to make sure Trump doesn't become president again. That's what this is. Right. That's all this is. I mean, maybe a criminal referral, who knows? Uh, all the while, like you said, people are struggling with gas prices and inflation and food prices. Crazy. Mondo, can I get a little mood music, Ooh. please? I don't like this headline. High levels of toxic chemical found in sports bras. Oh, no. For a... Uh, Good number of women taking part in physical activity without a sports bra can be an uncomfortable experience. But now it turns out, according to a study, uh, there are toxic chemicals that could have cancer causing agents here. What? Researchers have found oh. high levels of toxic chemical in no less than eight brands of sports bras, according to the Center for Environmental Health. You know what? I'm going to tear this out real quick. And uh, give this directly to my wife when I get home <laughs> and show her this. Look, honey, no more sports bras for you. So what you're saying is you're going to go full Ron Burgundy here. How are you? You look awfully nice tonight. Hmm? Maybe don't wear a bra next time. No, I was talking to you. No, not her. I don't know her name. What is it? Lanolin. 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 Lanolin, like, like sheep's wool. Just one, it says one sports bra can expose its wear to 22 times the safe limit of BPA, which causes adverse health conditions as asthma and heart disease. Whoa. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, for safety, I think you got to let those girls breathe, boom. ladies. That's not us saying it. That's science. That's health. Science. You're the, you're the Fauci of <laughs> Braziers. <laughs> I've done more for science than Fauci ever has. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. It's time to play Is It Racist? Oh, we haven't played this in a little while. Now, for those who may be new to the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer. Nigel is right across Hello. from me. Here to explain the rules of our game is AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? So, former quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic! Fitzmagic! He's part of the broadcast crew on these Amazon Prime Thursday night NFL games, which have been awful, by the way, yeah. this year. Colts and Broncos last yeah. week, uh, Washington and Chicago last night. I was down in Florida for the Colts. I fell dead asleep and did not regret a bit of it. You scored the same amount of touchdowns asleep <laughs> as anybody on the field that night, Nigel. Uh, but last night it came down to a fourth quarter. And the Bears are trying to make a run. And their quarterback, Justin Fields, he's a dynamic runner. He got his team into scoring position by scrambling and running the football. Bears got down inside the 10-yard line, first in goal, and they did not score because it seemed like they wanted Justin Fields to drop back and pass instead of running it in for a touchdown. Well, after the game, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's doing the post-game show. He says, Justin Fields needs to look in the mirror and say, what am I? Uh, I'm not Peyton Manning. I'm not Patrick Mahomes. I'm not a pocket passer. He's more of a Cam Newton type. You're a guy who is an elite runner of the football. So he compared him to Cam Newton, who was indeed an elite runner of the football and also a previous MVP of the league. Okay. Well, ESPN's Kimberly Martin called out that quote saying that it was racist because you're only comparing him to another black quarterback. And that's the type of stereotypes that black quarterbacks are trying to get away from. So what, what are the what are the stereotypes that they can only run that they can only run, even though Ryan Fitzpatrick compared him to a MVP of the league previously in Cam Newton, but also compared him to Peyton Manning and Patrick Mahomes saying, you're not this, you're not their level of passer. You're a dynamic runner of the football, run it into the end zone. And ESPN's Kimberly Martin called him out for that. Now, keep in mind, in that same postgame show, which former Seahawks player Richard Sherman is a part of, he basically said the exact same thing as Ryan Fitzpatrick. Don't make him overcome your play calling. Put him in easy situations. You know why the DN had a chance to bat the pass down? Because he's in the pocket. You know why it's, oh, he's late on throw? Because he's in the pocket. It's not RPO action. It's not holding your linebackers. It's not putting him in positions that he's used to succeeding in. No, you're like, hey, let's make him be a pocket passer. He runs 4-4. Make him race to the corner of the end zone. Make the defense chase. Good night. I think this is... (laughs) Richard Sherman says basically the exact same thing as Fitzmagic. Don't make him a pocket passer he's got four four speed let him run into the end zone but yet ryan fitzpatrick yeah, gets called a racist I, I don't think this is this is not racist in the least it's not even a little bit not even close and it, again you yeah you have sherman making the exact same comparison basically and some n- nobody nothing espn reporter some woke uh, uh you know somebody that thinks she knows all about the game has to go in and interject and and it doesn't make it that makes no sense whatsoever. It's been a you, bad week comp- for woke ESPN. You're comparing him basically to the best one of the best players ever to hold the position. <laughs> right. A Heisman Trophy winner, a guy that got to the Super Bowl, a guy that won an MVP. That's not good enough to be compared to if you're Justin Fields. Wow. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. I don't know when exactly you came back from Florida, but this upcoming weekend, uh, the Buccaneers play the Steelers, two African-American head coaches, Todd Bowles and Mike Tomlin. There was a reporter that from ESPN that asked the Bucks head coach, hey, is this significant because it's two black head coaches? And the Bucks head coach was like, no, we've known each other for a long time. It's a football game. We're trying to win. The race is irrelevant. Like completely just ruin the whole narrative of what this ESPN reporter wanted to do. You have white sports media criticizing black NFL coaches for not recognizing the importance <laughs> right. of the significance of the matchup this weekend because of their race. Give me a break. Only right. white woke liberal sports media does that happen it feels like woke white people are the worst woke white people are the most racist of all the folks in the media they're always shoving race down your throat when it doesn't have to be there and the example here is the coaches (laughs) coming up this weekend and even richard sherman saying the exact same thing that ryan fitzpatrick said it's the hammer and nigel show 
You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. He's Jason Hammer. My name is Nigel. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on the coach, Dan Dockich, 107.5, the fan coach. I'm going to hit you with I'm gonna hit you with the big one right off the bat. Let's get, get right into it. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, what has to happen if the Colts lose to the Jags? This Sunday, what has to happen? What does Jim Ursay need to do immediately? The number one thing. Well, he's got to. The number one thing is he's got to make a choice, and that choice is to stick with this or to get rid of this. That's number one. You got to make a choice because you can't come out and say anything. What are you going to do? Do another video by an airplane? What are you going to do? Do another? We're all in. Uh, Yay, rock! Go fight. Win. Call. No. So the choice is the important thing. What is your choice? And you have two very clear choices. You have, well, actually three. You say, we're sticking with this for the long haul. You say, we're sticking with this unless something worse happens, which, oh, by the way, could in the next two months, which would be losing at the Titans. And, of course, Carson Wentz coming in here. Or you say, you're fired, you're done. Um, I think that the Denver game, Got them out of the woods, them being uh, Reich. Ballard's a survivor. You watch. Ballard will Ballard won't be gone when when Reich's gone. If this doesn't turn out well, Ballard will be he's a survivor. There are winners, losers, and survivors, and Ballard's a big time survivor, Reich. Your record is what you say you were. But you the first thing you gotta do is you gotta make a choice because you cannot come out and try to BS the troops like he has done. You can't do it, period. And no, knowing what we've heard from Jim Irsay in the past. If they lose to Jacksonville for the third time in, what, eight, nine months, something like that, I don't feel real good if I'm Frank Reich. Now, I know Jim Ursay no. has not fired anybody in season, but dropping three to the Jags in that short of a window, that might be enough to put the old man over the edge. There's two things here. There's two ways to look at what you just said. Jimmy Ursay has never fired a sitting coach during the season. Well, you can look at that like, okay, he doesn't do that. Or you can look at it like he's due. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> like he, yeah. He's due, man. He's overdue. What are you doing? Let's go. Yeah, I I, I think this. I, I think that, again, uh, if you win, it, you're not out of the woods. Because Jimmy Ursay, if you, if you remember, also made a really big deal about beating the Titans. Now, they didn't do that. These two next, these next three games are going to determine a ton. If they lose two of the three, things are going to get really sexy. And if one of those is the Carson Wentz, then they're going to get really sexy around here because Jimmy Irsay again publicly is the face. Uh, he and Doyle of the Carson Wentz hate. Doyle being the, you know, the woke journalist. <laughs> we got to take a vaccine, and if we don't, we'll get you out of town. And Jimmy Irsay being, hey, look, he wasn't good enough. So those two guys are at the forefront. Doyle doesn't matter. I mean, he doesn't matter even a little bit. Ursay does matter. And Ursay matters to the point of if you win these two games and lose to Wentz, I still wouldn't feel good were I this particular regime. So, hey, look, just do yourself a favor. You're better than two of the three teams. You're as good as one. Go beat them and then, you know, don't worry about it. Go, go get something done. But if you lose two of the three, it's tough. Coach Dan Dockich on with us from the Dan Dockich Show, 107.5 The Fan, and also does a program on OutKick called Don't At Me. Uh, did I hear correctly, or was this just a rumor that the IU-Kentucky basketball series might be back on? 
Yeah, I think that's going to be announced here fairly soon. I don't think it's going to be announced today, tomorrow. But I talked to John Calperi a while ago. He told me Woody wanted to play, and he wants to play. He just didn't want to play Woody this year because he thinks Indiana's going to be pretty good. <laughs> and I started laughing at him. I go, man, you guys really are chicken blank. You're making $9 million a year, and you're worried about losing a game? What's wrong with you? Um, but, yeah, I think that series is absolutely going to be back on. What, what happens with it is still, I think, being I hear it being negotiated. Where it's going to be played is the sticking point. But, yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be back on. Whether it's two years, four years, I don't know. But it's going to, it's, it, it, there will be an announcement. You know, actually, I think they were getting pretty close to an announcement a little bit ago, and then, then it slowed down. Uh, maybe with the start of practice. I don't know, but I think you're going to hear something. Man, I want campus sites, not just because I want to see Kentucky come into Indiana, but let Indiana go down to Kentucky. Let the Hoosiers go down to the Big Blue Nation, man. That's what college basketball is supposed to be, big-time college basketball and big-time programs. You're supposed to be going into the Lions then when you play at your rival, right? Yeah, you know, I thought this, guys. I, I, I think basketball coaches have done the, the sport of college basketball a real disservice by not playing those kind of games. Look, college basketball is so overshadowed by uh, college football and by NFL football. And one of the reasons is all the good games are played on neutral sides. Krzyzewski, that guy, uh, hell, I could win 900 games playing his schedule. He didn't play anybody <laughs> on the road. You know, if they played someone, it was in New York City. Or if they played someone on the road, it was in Chicago. Or if they played someone on the road, it was in the ACC Big Ten Tournament. Um, no, I agree. I think that it used to be the first weekend in December. You knew Indiana was coming to Kentucky or Kentucky was coming to Indiana. or They were playing in the Big Four Classic, which was an unbelievable event. But college coaches and their greed and have done an incredible disservice to the sport. You don't play home and home. There is a big difference between playing in Maui uh, and playing in Assembly Hall or playing in the United Center or even Gamebridge where they have held the Champions Class. And, and frankly, I got to tell you, and maybe it's because I'm, not, I'm a fan now as opposed to a broadcaster of it, I don't feel any juice for college basketball season. I think Indiana is going to be very good. I think Purdue will be good. I think Butler will be much better with with Sad there, but I don't feel any juice. I don't even nationally. I was, I was talking to a couple of my guys from ESPN. They're like, yeah, yeah, not much going on. Um, that's because football has sucked the life out of everything. And if you're college basketball, you got to do two things. You got to get a you got to get a summer presence where here and this is going to happen eventually within the next five years. Like in downtown Indy, Louisville, Indiana, Purdue, and in, and. Uh, uh, Kentucky are going to play, you know, a couple games in the summertime in front of fans. No, they're not going to count it, but it, but it, every other sport does it. Volleyball does it. Softball does it. Baseball does it. Football has spring football. Every other sport plays two semesters. They play a second season, and college basketball needs to do it, and they need to get to home sites. Coach Dan Dockage with us. All right, so if your argument is that football is sucking the life out of basketball – Let's talk about college football this weekend, there Coach. We I don't want to get into these local games because the local games all stink. There are two major games on the docket here. We got Penn State at Michigan. You got Alabama at Tennessee. What say you? I know where you're at. I do. I know where you're at. You're all over Tennessee. I know. Um, look, I I think the most underrated coach in college football is a very unlikable James Franklin. Uh, the line is seven. I would take Michigan. I'm not going to bet it. I'm going to bet this. I'll tell you what game I am going to bet. 
I don't believe in Florida State at all. Until Neon Deion Sanders is the coach of Florida State, I, I want them to lose. I want him there. I'm taking Clemson, giving three and a half in Florida State. Uh, but I will tell you this. I can't wait to sit down. Uh, people are telling me different things. Bryce Young, game time decision. That backup quarterback didn't look great, didn't look horrible. I think that Tennessee is really good. I'm going to take Tennessee. I'm going to take Rocky Top at the po- and the points. I ain't afraid to lose money. I was there last year at the game, and frankly, Tennessee played the brakes off them until they made some mistakes and the spread got to it. But I'm going to take Tennessee. I'm going to take your Vols in that game. I like the Vols. I'm seeing now getting eight and a half. That's up a little bit from yesterday, Coach. And again, if Bryce Young of Alabama plays in this game, I love the over. The over is at 66. If Bryce Young plays, I'm hammering that. But if he doesn't, here's what scares me as a Tennessee fan. Like, this is the biggest game in Rocky Top in the last 20 years. And Alabama plays these things all the time. Yes, Every yes, time sir. there's some sort of sexy upset pick that's supposed to beat Alabama, Alabama finds a way to win these games. That's what scares me. Well, it just happened two weeks ago, and I think we, you and I talked about it. Arkansas, they got all that Walmart money. They got a packed house. Here comes Alabama. Their quarterback is the next big thing. Yeah, okay. They got down a bunch, came back, and Alabama took it out at the end. You are so right. Alabama plays these games like it's their job, which is what it is. We're not there to play anything other than, all right, we're going to Rocky Top. They got a new coach. Hendon Hooker's a terrific quarterback. It's no different than a couple years ago and a couple years before that and a couple years before. Who cares? I'm serious. You're exactly right. Uh, But that emotion can help you. But you know what? Everybody's got a plan till they get punched in the face. And football is the ultimate punched in the face in football at least in this game i believe the punch in the face matters but it's who keeps punching last year as i said tennessee playing pretty good right there alabama kept punching tennessee went away tennessee's gonna have to play every minute of this game because alabama ain't going nowhere you're gonna have to make them go go away and you guys are both you're staying off the colts right because right now i'm looking at minus no 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 i am making a mortgage slash uh doordash bet if everything goes wrong this weekend (laughs) i'm taking the colts i'm giving two and I'm going to bet damn near. I'm looking at my house right now. There's a refrigerator, there's a ladder, there's a gas can, there's a 12-pack of Fresca, another 12-pack of Fresca, there's some hiatus tequila. I'm betting it all on the Colts. Colts are going to win this one by seven. I'm taking them like it's my job, and frankly, it is. What about that uh, Chiefs and Bills game on Sunday? Uh, the Buffalo Bills at Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes at home getting points. I'm in on Kansas City. What about you? I'm in on Kansas City getting points. You give me Nick Saban, Kansas City, Urban Meyer getting points, I'll take it every freaking time, my friend. I I don't care. I'm, I know Kansas City lost to the Colts, and they should be disgusted with themselves, <laughs> and I'm sure that they are. I know that the Bills are beating the brakes off everybody, but you give me Patrick Mahomes, and you give me points at home, I'm going to tell you something. If I lose the Colts bet, I'm doubling down. Let me look again in my house. There's a little refrigerator. There's some pickleball paddles. There's a tennis. You know, <laughs> the whole garage will be cleaned out because if that one happens, I'm going with the other. No coach, question, no doubt. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you next See week. You, coach. Fellas, thanks, man. Have a great weekend. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. 
You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Yeah, Hammer, the uh, Parkland school shooter got life without the possibility of parole. I think everybody wanted the death penalty in this case except one juror, and that's what it came down to. So the families of the victims were shocked. I think the prosecution was shocked. I certainly was like, man, they need to put this dude down immediately. And it's life without parole. So uh, I guess we'll be paying for his uh, three squares for the rest of his life. And now one of the prosecutors is asking for an investigation after a juror, and we're not sure which one or which side of the aisle the jurors on says that she was threatened by a fellow juror during deliberations now again one person was the holdout because florida's law is it has to be unanimous for somebody to be sentenced to death they have the death penalty in florida but it has to be unanimous one person was the holdout and the story today is that a specific juror says they felt threatened by another juror during deliberations. We played this yesterday, but I think it bears repeating. This is Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. I think that uh, if you have a death penalty at all, uh, that that is a case where you're massacring those students with premeditation uh, and utter disregard for basic humanity, that you deserve the death penalty. And so the jurors came back. Apparently it was 11 to 1 with one holdout refusing to authorize uh, the ultimate punishment. And that means that uh, this killer is going to end up uh, getting a same sentence of people who've committed bad acts, but acts that did not rise to this level. I just don't think anything else is appropriate uh, except a capital sentence in this case. And so I was very disappointed to see that. I'm also disappointed that we're four and a half years after these killings, and we're just now getting this. You know, they used to do this. He would have been executed in six months. He's guilty. Everybody knew that from the beginning, and yet it takes years and years in this legal system that is not serving the interests of victims. And that's something we've talked about a lot, not necessarily about this case, but in general, how long it takes for somebody to go through the legal system now. I love the fact that he's like, yeah, back in the day, six months, he would have been dead. 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 <laughs> um, uh, but the- I, I look, and we always talk about um you know families what do the families want you know what are the families i'm okay with whatever the families want but in this case there's many different families and many uh, different victims that that are involved here Uh, there's only one appropriate response to this it's a death penalty one of the um family members it's the father of one of the young ladies that was murdered inside that school he was kind of the spokesperson for other parents and they held a press conference yesterday pretty unreal that nobody paid attention to the facts of this case, that nobody can remember who a victim is and what they look like. I know every day because I see my beautiful daughter's face around our home in my dreams, and I miss her very much. I'm going to read you a prepared statement. Today's ruling was yet another gut punch for so many of us who devastatingly lost our loved ones on that tragic Valentine's Day at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. 17 beautiful lives were cut short by murder. Heinous, pre-planned, torturous murder. And the monster that killed them gets to live another day. Yeah, sometimes 
it's just heart-wrenching to watch people react to what's happening, and that certainly was the case yesterday. We have updates on the midterms. Don't go anywhere. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here of all the Senate and congressional races. And even gubernatorial race is happening here in the midterms. What's the most compelling? Like all of them. You mix, it, mix, mix them all together. What do you think is the number one? Probably Georgia. Herschel Walker against Raphael Warnock. Okay. Just because of the name recognition. You know, like, oh, that's Herschel Walker. He won the Heisman Trophy. Not the governor there, Kemp. And no. That's a joke of a race. No, okay, no. Right. Pennsylvania, I yeah, think, I think is I think I was going to say Pennsylvania. I thought the Fetterman and Oz, I think, is, is pretty compelling. And even in Arizona, the uh, that Hobbs and uh, Lake, that's gonna that's a tight one, that's and that's for really... the governor's race out there too. Yes. And listen, we're less than a couple of weeks away from the midterms. I know most people in Indiana probably don't care about who wins the governor's race in Arizona, but you probably should because this is a border state, and one candidate wants to have more security at the border. The other candidate thinks things are fine. So if you love the flow of fentanyl coming into this country and ultimately making its way into communities possibly like yours, you should probably keep an eye on these governor's races in Texas. Uh, Looks like Abbott's kind of got a good handle on that one. But in Arizona, this is a good old-fashioned toss-up right now. And Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake, these are the two uh, candidates that are going to be going down to the wire here Katie Hobbs is the Democrat. She will not debate Carrie Lake. Now, Carrie Lake is a former news anchor. I mean, she's polished. She's put together well. Yes. She's an attractive woman. She's smart. She knows how to debate. She knows the drill. She's good at public speaking. And this this Hobbs lady is running like a frightened, scared little kitty cat. Right. It's It's pathetic. And it's not the first time that this has happened. You said that, the, you know, you were talking about her, uh, what was it, PBS? They were supposed to debate on PBS. Everybody was anticipating this is the giant debate. And Katie Hobbs uh, shrinks away. And, and and you know, it's uh, last week. It was like, I think it was last week during a town hall. Hobbs wouldn't even take the stage. She refused to take the stage until Carrie Lake had been removed from the building that they were at. So this is the first time she's tried to pull this. She's scared to death to debate. And at a campaign event, Carrie Lake decided, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going to call her out. The people in the liberal press need to demand that your candidate, the one you guys are backing in the liberal press, show up and debate. The people of Arizona deserve this. I promise her, Katie, I promise you, you can write the questions for me. (laughs) I promise you I won't yell, Katie. I promise you I won't interrupt you. And if you want to have an emotional support animal there as well, I will agree to that. (laughs) But show up like a grown-up and debate. We have serious issues facing this great state of ours. We've got the narco-terrorists controlling our our border right now. How in the heck are you going to go up against them if you're afraid to debate me here at PBS? (laughs) Yeah, for what it's worth, it was PBS that was putting on the debate, not exactly a a bastion of conservative values. Right. You know, and so so she won't, Hobbs wouldn't even debate her in that setting. And good for Carrie Lake, too, for calling out the media for this, because it sounds like some of the liberal media in Arizona thinks this is just fine. That's perfectly fine for her to ignore a debate and to not have any sort of debate 
for the highest seat that the state has exactly. to offer. Exactly. What message is that sending to potential voters? Meanwhile, in Wisconsin, the Senate race between radical leftist uh, Mandela Barnes and the incumbent, Ron Johnson, they had a debate and it ended with the moderators trying to be nice, trying to calm things down so everybody could go home. Uh, Their task was you had to say something nice about your opponent. You have 30 seconds here. Mr. Barnes, you go first. What do you find admirable about your opponent? Well, no, no, seriously, I, I do think, you know, the senator has proven to be a family man, and I think that's that's admirable. Um, you know, that's absolutely to be respected. He, he speaks about his family. He's uh, done a lot to provide for them. I absolutely respect that. Mr. Johnson. I mean, likewise, I appreciate the fact that uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes had loving parents, a school teacher, father at work, third shift, so he had, you know, good upbringing. I guess what puzzles me about that is with that upbringing, why is he turned against America? Why does he find the America awful? Somehow, we we did not. I said we said something admirable. (laughs) I don't think Ron Johnson understood the assignment. Uh, He's got a good upbringing, which is surprising because he hates America. That was awesome, man. I love these debates. I love the clips that come out of these debates. There's been so many over the past couple of weeks. Oh, they've been classic. Uh, Let's go up to Michigan, where it looks like the Gretsch that stole Christmas, Gretchen Whitmer. Big Gretsch. Is probably going to win again. She's leading in all the polls. Uh, But she kind of got busted, telling a little bit of a fib in the uh, debate last night. She's telling potential voters that... She loves the police, can't get enough of the police, but back in 2020, she said something different. So let's compare last night's Gretchen Whitmer to 2020's Gretchen Whitmer. Investing in law enforcement is what we have done and what we need to continue to do to keep people safe. Be someone who supports the defunding movement, which is to take money specifically from police departments and put them into education, for example. I think you do all those other things. You don't need all the money that's going to the police department. So, yeah, I mean, the spirit of it, I I do support that. Yeah, and and this is something you've seen across the spectrum in terms of Democrats. uh, And they've all done the same thing. They've all walked it back, just like Big Gretch did right there. And actually, I believe we have someone calling in. Hammer and Nigel show. Hello. Hello, who's this? Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. Thank you so much for calling in. I assume you have thoughts on uh, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan? Yeah. All right, Dr. Phil. If Michigan's governor, Gretchen Whitmer, were here right now, what would you say to her? You're a bitch. (laughs) No, wait. Oh, hey. Wow, that's... Well, you don't just hang up. Dr. Phil with a little drive-by right there on the Hammer and (laughs) Nigel show. Uh, Mondo, hit me with some legal stuff. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. So we got a little update from the fishing controversy. Remember those two guys that were stuffing weights and like fillets of fish inside of other fish to win the fishing championship? to weigh them down. Right. Right? Is that what it was? Yeah, right. those, those little lead ball type weights. They and were other fillets. They were jamming them down the fish's mouth so they'd be heavier. Uh, those two guys 
have been criminally charged in Ohio. Uh, Jacob Runyon and Chase Kaminsky indicted by the Cuyahoga County Grand Jury on one charge each of cheating, attempted grand theft, possessing criminal tools, and unlawful ownership of wild animals, according to the prosecutors. I didn't know you could be arrested for cheating. <laughs> I didn't know unlawful ownership of wild animals was... I mean, I well, get it. like if you own a tiger and it's stored in a cage in your back. I just didn't know. I mean, I get, I guess, grand theft, uh, uh, possessing criminal tools, I, I get. But uh, no, you, I, what are you in jail for? Oh, I, I cheated. I, I cheated in a fishing contest. What did you what do? Did you? I killed three people. Oh. <laughs> Well, we're kind of the same here, I guess. Uh, this is the uh, Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley, quote, I take all crime very seriously, and I believe that these two individuals attempted to, what these two individuals attempted to do was not only dishonorable, but also criminal. So I get it. They probably should be charged with something because... You're dealing with tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands of dollars in prize money. Right. But how many cases of, like, sex offenders and rapists yeah. and domestic assault are sitting on the prosecutor's desk while he rushed the fishing guys to the front of the line here? Uh, I mean, I get it, but it feels like there's probably bigger fish to fry. hi uh, Oh, my God. Uh, Mondo... Uh, I'm going to need your input on this. You're the office expert on this show, right? You've seen The Office probably more than anybody alive. Oh, yeah. I love that show. Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, says that he has sold his 17 Auntie Anne's pretzel franchises because, I'm using his words here, black people don't like pretzels. So Shaq, who's a businessman, owned a bunch of Papa John's, owned a bunch of Auntie Anne's. He was like, man, these Auntie Anne's, they're not, uh, they're not profitable for me. Black people don't like pretzels. Your thoughts? Clearly, Shaquille O'Neal has never seen an episode of The Office because Stanley Hudson, who is black, loves pretzels and pretzel day. Okay, so Mega Mondo has issues with Shaquille O'Neal. This needs to be a wrestling match. I would love to take on Shaq one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> All right, Mondo, you've got 30 seconds and not a second more to promote your wrestling match this weekend. Oh, Go. Boy. All right, tomorrow in Rushville, Indiana, at the heart of Rushville's farmer market, Mega Mondo will be live in action. You better be there to come watch Mega Mondo wrestle Upstart Pro Wrestling will do it live. Mega Mondo versus Thomas Wayne Oliver. I can't wait to see you in Rushville, Indiana. Tickets at the door? You can get tickets at the door, or if you want to buy them online, go to my at the Kyle Wells on Twitter. You can get them in advance, but yes, you can get them at the festival. This is an outdoor show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Who's, wait a minute, what's the name of your opponent? That's an awful wrestling name. Thomas Wayne Oliver. Thomas Wayne Oliver? You sure he's not your accountant? No. <laughs> No. I mean, you're Mega Mondo. Yeah, you're the you're the guy with the gorilla mask that hands out the bananas to the fans. What is Thomas Wayne Oliver's? Hey, here's a free pen for my accounting. Service. It's not going to matter <laughs> because I'm going to hit this dude so hard tomorrow that he won't even know who he is. Thomas Wayne Oliver. <laughs> it sounds like a serial killer. <laughs> they all have three names: John right. Wayne Gacy, Thomas Wayne Oliver. <laughs> uh, Sixty-six <laughs> right now at the American Standard Cooling Weather Center. Is this anything next? 
Nigel presents is It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Yeah, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run a few stories by you. You break down all the information that's been presented, and you give us the verdict. Is this story really anything or not? All right. Is this anything? A Michigan teenager jumped off of a bridge and fell 30 feet after running out of gas in an allegedly stolen car during a police chase. (laughs) He didn't appear to have any life-threatening injuries. Here is some of the body cam recording from the officer. Maybe run out of gas. Off the bridge. <laughs> He's down here on the ground. He jumped off the bridge. The car's down here. Probably an ambulance. <laughs> oh. Yeah, probably oh. going to need an ambulance on this one. This dude just shattered both of his legs. Bring uh, a spatula <laughs> with you while you're coming. <laughs> this is something. I love it. It sounds like he's splashing into water there at the end. Play the end, and I want to hear where the police says, yeah. Probably need an ambulance. Like he's annoyed. <laughs> here on the ground, he jumped off the bridge. The cars down here. Probably an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the sound of his voice. The cops. Yeah, probably need an ambulance. Uh, maybe a hearse. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, just a heads up. Yeah, that's something, and it's something because the cops were allowed to actually chase this guy down. You know, most of these uh, liberal states, these these blue states, these blue cities have have made it so the policy is for the uh, law enforcement is not allowed to uh, chase criminals like this. Stolen car? No, sorry. Reports of a drunk driver? No, just let him go. Uh, he stole a bunch of candy from the 7-Eleven, and uh, yeah, we have him right on camera. There he is. Nope, let him go. And that's the real story here. I'm glad police are still chasing after criminals. Mondo, I'm going to need that one more time because I want you to listen to this guy's voice because it sounds like, and maybe this is just my opinion, he's seen this before. Like, all right, better call the car again, bring an ambulance. It happened again. Maybe run out of gas. Hey, show me your hands. He jumped off the bridge. He's down here on the ground. He jumped off the bridge. Like if I saw a dude jump off the bridge, my radio transmission. Oh my God! This lunatic just jumped off the bridge. Oh my God! Send help immediately. Quick! Send an ambulance. Quick. I need body bags. Quick! Stat. He jumped off the bridge again. <laughs> oh, and it's probably a place where it's impossible for the cops to get to. They're gonna need like a helicopter with some sort of bungee cord or rope or like some sort of airlift situation right you know it's just some idiot stole a mustang is this anything (laughs) on the subject of uh stolen vehicles here um the driver of a ferrari 458 owned by a houston-based law firm was filmed jumping a curb and crashing into an embankment at a car show (laughs) Here's the moment that the crash happened. No! <laughs> oh, no. Okay? I heard a, no! <laughs> play, play it again real quick. 
Are you okay? Here's why this is something. This is something because the, that Houston-based law firm that you were talking about that, that owns this Ferrari, they were showing it off in some sort of car show. They specialize in auto accidents. Oh. <laughs> That's oh. their specialty, is getting a bunch of money from car insurance companies for accidents. And I don't know if it's like their mascot kind of show car, promotion car or whatever. And maybe they were, there was this some sort of car show that was a, a parade style, but it's hilarious. It doesn't, I watched it. It didn't do that much damage, but the guy clearly spun out. And if there would have been anybody standing there, it would have ran over them uncontrollably. And then, yeah, it did do some damage, crashed in this giant curb. I mean, you kind of got to roll with the punches after that, right? Like you have to act like you meant to do it. And now what happens yeah. when you've been in an accident? <laughs> you call us. <laughs> Don't talk to anybody else. Call us first. <laughs> like what just happened here. <laughs> Last one. Is this anything? A California uh, ophthalmologist went viral with a video of herself extracting 23 23 forgotten contact lenses oh, no. from a patient's eye. Here's oh. the doctor removing dozens of lenses with a Q-tip. So we just removed a few contacts. Look down. There's a third contact. Look down somewhere. Oh. Oh. We just removed two and a half contacts. You can see this piece coming out. There's more. Oh, 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 oh no. Record, I don't know. There's actually a lot. Oh, God. There's a whole waddle there. You're my Guinness Book of Record patient. Oh, God. We're delivering tablets. I think I've already counted more than 10 or 12. Oh, come on. No, I'm serious. Oh, I just posted the footage on Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel. If you want to puke, if you want to just be completely <laughs> and utterly disgusted. Oh, man. Watch this doctor remove 23 forgotten contact lenses out of this old broad's eyelids. And you'll never want to wear contacts ever again. With a Q-tip? Oh, Imagine so... taking that Q-tip and digging it into the <laughs> eye. And oh, man. It's, I... I Swear to you, invest. I'll, I'll say it right now. Invest in LASIK. <laughs> I got LASIK surgery in 2005. My eyes, you know, sans the readers that I have to read up close now, but it was totally, totally worth it. I'm just happy you didn't throw up on the air. It feels like we're making a lot of if progress. If I was watching it right now, I probably would have. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Uh, Blink-182 getting back together, by the way. Did you talk about this? We mentioned uh, this a little bit the other day. Yeah. I told Kyle, this is like Generations X big midlife crisis concert tour. <laughs> like, if you're Gen or, X, which is our generation, like, when you heard the news that, oh, there's a Blink-182 uh, reunion tour going on, <laughs> this is the equivalent of going out and buying a Ferrari. <laughs> Or Corvette or something like that. Right. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, so Tom DeLong has departed, was kind of into UFOs for a while, has come back to the band. I think it's what, what this really is is probably Monet. Correct. Big Monet, new album tour, all that stuff. Uh, did you ever take 
Did you take the ACTs or the SATs or both? I took the ACT because I was told there was less math. <laughs> I did too. Now, I don't remember what I got on it, though. I don't think it was anything. I got accepted into Ball State. The, 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 <laughs> <laughs> a, Which I was told is the Harvard of Muncie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't know. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know what, what I got. I don't think it was anything to write home about. Let's put it that way. But I was still able to get into college. Well, we're seeing these scores of the ACTs now, probably lower than what you got back in the day, Big Nige. Um, <laughs> scores on the ACT college admission test by this year's high school seniors hit the lowest point in more than 30 years. Oh, boy. And this tells me that the lockdowns and e-learning and not being in a classroom had a big part in the slowing of the education process. You think so? The class of 2022's average ACT composite score was 19.8 out of a possible 36. Oh, wow. Make, marking this the first time since 1991 that the average score was below 20. Uh, an increasing number of high school students failed to meet any of the subject area benchmarks set by the ACT, again, showing how far we have slipped in just a couple of years with all of this lockdown and e-learning crap. So maybe this tells us something um, that we've been talking about for a while and just solidifies the fact that not everybody's meant to go on to a four-year college. Don't waste your time at college. Get into a trade. Right? I mean, maybe college isn't for everybody. That's what this tells me. Yes, of course the lockdowns had a detrimental effect on the way kids learned and their testing scores. But maybe this is maybe this is just a big sign, hey, there's lots to do out there. There's lots of ways to make a lot of money out there that doesn't involve a four-year degree in uh, women's studies. Right. And I get that. And you're 100% right. But listen, I sat down and watched these high school kids do the e-learning i have a high school senior at home and it was a joke it was a joke yeah, yeah. it was a joke yeah. one day and if you remember this went viral uh barstool did an article on chris chris hammer his assignment was a virtual fire drill that's right <laughs> yeah that did go viral didn't it a virtual fire drill uh chris spoke to fox he spoke to barstool that was the kind of crap that was put on our kids and maybe there would be more kids that are apt to go to college if they were more prepared because basically we just said here's the material teach yourselves <laughs> yeah. knock yourselves out well, that's not the proper way to learn the material i'm sorry um listen to this these numbers show 42 percent of act tested graduates in the class of 2022 met none zero of the subject benchmarks in English, reading, science, or math. In comparison, 38% of test takers in 2021 failed to meet these benchmarks. So it's getting worse Ooh, every single year. Um, this is a statement from the CEO of the ACT test, uh, Janet Godwin, quote, the magnitude of the declines this year is particularly alarming. That's not good, man. We did not do these kids a service at all with all of this stay home, put on a mask, put on a hazmat suit, bullcrap. Ridiculous. Um, I also have an update on a debunked story from the border. 
Remember when the media was losing its mind? Oh, my God. These people at the border, they're on horses, and they're whipping all these migrants. Oh, yeah, the ICE agents, yeah. And it never was the case at all. They had reins for their horses, and it was a tricky camera angle, and that was that picture that went viral. And Homeland Security Secretary uh, Alejandro Mayorkas was told that the photographer who took that picture said in the information that he gave to the authorities, hey, that's a tricky angle, nobody's being whipped, but he ran with it anyway. Bill Malusian, who does Whoa. a great job of covering the border at Fox, had this story this morning. An email obtained through a records request reveals that DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was privately alerted by DHS officials that the whipping narrative behind the infamous horseback Border Patrol photos wasn't true. But at a press conference hours later, Mayorkas didn't stop or dispute that narrative. The email was obtained by the Heritage Foundation, which filed a Freedom of Information Act request with DHS seven months ago, seeking all DHS communications about the incident with the horseback agents in Del Rio, Texas, last summer. Now, last week, DHS finally produced an initial batch of emails, including one from September 24th, 2021, the same day President Biden said this. To see people treated like they did, horses really running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you, those people will pay. Joe Biden never walked that back. He never apologized for that. Not once. And according to this report and the emails that back it up, Mayorkas knew that this whole thing was bogus. It was ridiculous. It was a bad camera angle and nobody was being whipped and he ran with it anyway. Hmm. Here's a little bit more from Bill Malugin. Now, hours after the president's comments, Marsha Espinoza, DHS's top public affairs official, sent this email to Secretary Mayorkas and other DHS officials at 12.05 p.m. In the email, Espinoza sends Mayorkas a news article and literally highlights that the photographer who took the infamous whipping photos said in an interview that things aren't what they seem with his photos, that he and his colleagues never saw agents whipping anybody, and that his images were being misconstrued. But two and a half hours after receiving that email, Mayorkas joined a press conference at the White House where he failed to dispute the whipping narrative that President Biden and other politicians were pushing. Instead, he called the images horrifying. We know that those images painfully conjured up the worst elements of our nation's ongoing battle against systemic racism. In a 10-month-long CBP investigation <laughs> later concluded the horseback agents never whipped anybody. They didn't even carry whips, though they are now facing up to 14-day unpaid suspensions for administrative violations. Ridiculous. I reached out to DHS two days ago for comments on this story. I followed up again this morning, but I have received no response from DHS whatsoever. That's how crooked things are right now. They are lying right to your face. And I get it. Politicians lying to you. It's nothing new. But the evidence is right there. Mayorkas, Joe Biden, they're lying right to you. They had the information. They did not care. And they need to be impeached. At least Mayorkas does. I mean, fentanyl flowing through the border, millions and millions and millions of illegal aliens since Joe Biden's taken office through the border, uh, uh, fentanyl human trafficking. And it doesn't surprise me at all that the media loved that. But the media, the corporate liberal media loved that narrative. They loved that picture of that guy on the horse that looked like 
he was whipping somebody trying to get across that river but wasn't actually they love it and they never backtrack you'll not hear this on mainstream news they love the juicy smolay uh, narrative the media loved the Covington Catholic school kid uh, hate narrative they loved Russian collusion they loved the pump Trump PP tape um, you know these Kyle Rittenhouse is, Kyle Rittenhouse they love I mean uh, Rachel Maddow going on TV and saying uh, you can't catch COVID you can't spread COVID if you had the vaccine uh, uh, nobody's walked anything back none of them this is Brandon Judd he's the National Border Council president it is smoking uh, smoking gun evidence, and it clearly shows that they're willing to lie to the American people for, for their self-interest. They withheld facts, and any time that you withhold facts from the American people, you should be willing to step down from your job. Better men would step down. They're not going to step down. They're going to double down because they know their partners at the national media are going to carry their water and continue to carry their water. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs> yeah. What up? This is Dr. Dre. The party's going on. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Oh, the inside jokes in this studio. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is here. Somebody, TK Dub is here. Somebody made a meme that said Hammer and Nigel less show <laughs> and just shows your picture up against the brick wall. Is it back when I was really fat? Because if so, then I don't want that picture out there. Oh, yeah, it's out there. It's all the way out there. All, all 300 pounds of you are out there in this uh, picture right now. I was getting close to that at one point. Damn. Um, a night with WIBC. It is almost sold out. 12 tickets remain as of this morning. So if you want to go to the show, and again, each show, Tony Katz, uh, Robin Casey, our show, um, we have 20 minutes on the stage. We're talking politics. We're saying all the things we can't say here on the air. And then we have a big roundtable discussion at the end where we all get together, talk about the issues of the day. And, uh, man, it's a really fun night. It's a great date night. If you want to go, it's coming October 27th. It's at Butler this year on the campus of Butler. Get your tickets right now, Ticketmaster.com. Just search for WIBC and uh, look for a night with WIBC presented by Relay Indiana. Nige, you and I have been working on uh, some things. We got some pretty big things in store that night. Two things that not everybody knows about either. Right. <laughs> things that we'll just leave it at that. Right. It's always easier to ask for forgiveness always. than it is to ask for permission. We're just going to leave it at that. Uh, so get your tickets now. A night with WIBC. We've also got the link pinned on our Facebook and Twitter. It's pinned at the top or just go to Ticketmaster. And again, thank you so much to Relay Indiana for being our great, amazing sponsor for this fun event right before the midterms. It's Beer Sample Friday. We're going to have that coming up here in just a little bit. I but started early. I think I may have Sorry. to. I may have got a little something something in my red solo cup over here. But why don't we set the mood with a little booze news? You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. Oh, your lips. It's so good. <laughs> booze news, booze news. For how, how appropriate is this story as I'm drinking a bush latte right now? Bush latte. That's how they say it in Europe. Bush light. Um, bush is adding another exciting beer for dogs. Bush. Uh, a bush 
beer for dogs. Uh, it's coming out with a new flavor. They did this a couple of years ago. It was called Bush Dog Brew. It's non-alcoholic, of course, obviously. But they brew it with flavors your dog would like. Bone in pork butt, corn, mint, stuff like that. Now Bush is coming out with a new flavor. Um, it's called Bush Light Turkey Brew. And yes, it's made with bone-in turkey, sweet potato, and uh, it actually kind of sounds good. <laughs> I want to try it. So this is a beer for dogs, correct? Beer for dogs available at Bush's Shop Beer Gear website for 15 bucks for like four 12-ounce cans. And yes, humans can drink it as well. Oh, good. Should we do that for Beer Sample Friday? Should I order a four-pack of dog brew? <laughs> Just to see if it's able for human consumption? I think we should, for the sake of the show. I'm drinking a Bush Light right now. It couldn't be that much worse. We've got Bush. (laughs) One of my favorite drops of all time. I don't care if we're talking about Kyle Bush, if we're talking about Bush Light, if we're talking about Bush Stadium. Anytime I can hear Booger, I'm happy. We've got Bush. This is all I drink in Florida. We went down with friends, Bush Latte. I think it may replace Miller Light as my go-to. Really? We went down with some other people, some acquaintances. Uh, We shared a house with my wife wife's cousin and they knew some people down here um there were two families and they're identical twins kevin and kyle i could barely tell them apart but they just bush light all day like we went golfing they asked the guy at the golf course yeah you got any bush light and i'm like nah. i mean these are like well-to-do guys with careers but they are not beer snobs i mean they could put down a dirty 30 case in a day between the two of them so that's I'm how back- you know it's a good beverage but it's yeah. sold in a dirty 30 i'm back on the bush light man i like it i like it one more time kyle can you give it to me we've got bush <laughs> it's the hammer and nigel show Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Happy Friday, everybody. Beer <laughs> sample Friday. Yeah. We will uh, crack open a cold one. <sighs> Not that we haven't already. Looks like I picked the right day to get come back from vacation. <laughs> we will officially kickstart the weekend coming up in about 40 minutes from right now. Plus, Abdul scheduled to join us here in just a little bit to talk about a Prominent business on Monument Circle closing down because of safety concerns. All of that is coming up. But first, let's take a break and check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Joe Biden. Biden. I got hairy legs. Get ready, pal. You're going to enter a problem. Let me pull this out for you. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't pull that out for me, Joe. Um, so the <laughs> Biden administration officially extended the public health emergency status for COVID. <laughs> what? Through January 11th, 2023. Now, wait a minute. Didn't he tell Scott Pelley in 60 minutes? COVID's over. That's done. <laughs> Pandemic's over. Look at us walking around here. There's no masks. What are you talking about? They're extending the emergency order? Through January 11th, 2023, (sighs) Biden's health officials warn more of a winter surge could be coming. Mm -hmm. So let me guess. It's going to be right around Election Day, and that's where they're going to employ you to stay home. Yeah, plus (laughs) the fact that, you know, the whole debt forgiveness thing, the whole college debt forgiveness they use the COVID emergency as kind of an end around to provide funding without having to sign any sort of 
uh, executive order or maybe uh, having a vote on it, have, a con- have Congress vote on it. Um, that was they used this emergency as sort of a, a backdoor to get that done. So uh, it's kind of tied up in federal court right now. The, the debt forgiveness is, but but man, oh man, oh man, it ain't over yet, people. Emergency. I mean, it's still ongoing here, isn't it? Yes. In Indy, I believe so. Do you have the hiccups? I do. I'm trying <laughs> to fight them awesome. off. No, don't fight it. <laughs> Embrace it. Um, January 11th, 2023. <laughs> This is from the same dude who told Scott Belly that eh, the pandemic's over, but it's also the same dude who said that inflation was temporary. So <laughs> we had the numbers yep. come out yesterday on inflation, and it was another steel-toed work boot kick to the crotch of the American people Ouch. because it went up again. And Joe Biden was doing a speech, and uh, his whole angle is, well, if you elect Republicans, it's going to get worse. Republican wins, inflation is going to get worse. It's that simple. How are we going to know if it gets worse, Joe? Because we're already pretty much at rock bottom right now, we're right? We're breaking records, aren't we? <laughs> it's the I mean, worst basically. since 1982. The wages are down 3%, and year over year, inflation is up to 8.2%. So this is going to be the new angle as we close in on these last couple weeks until the midterms. And uh, they were talking about this um, in his speech. Joe Biden feels like, you know, the people are going to sit around a table and talk about the horrible things that the Republicans are going to do, and they're concerned that it's going to get more expensive. So we're going to bring down the cost of things and to talk about around the kitchen table. So let me guess. If you're talking in kitchen table stuff here, um, let's see. Grocery prices are up 13%. Milk is up 15.2%. Eggs are up 30.5%. If you can find it, baby food is up 11.8%, Joe. That's just year over year. And, and gas prices are about to skyrocket once again now that OPEC has said, yeah, you know, uh, we're going to curtail this oil production and and that's really really embarrassing for Joe Biden, especially since he was just over there fist bumping uh, uh, the Saudis and and begging <laughs> them to open the spigots over there. Uh, it's it's such an f u to the United States to shut down and curtail that 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 output, and and we have nobody to thank but Joe Biden. Right. That's who we had to thank for those. Uh, you're looking at sky-high gas prices, one person to thank, Joe Biden with its executive orders, the climate alarmist sort of executive orders that, that did away with pipelines and federal leasing and drilling. And now he went to, he went to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> he, he, he fist bumped the, the crown prince. The guy that's accused <laughs> of murdering Khashoggi. They were, yeah, here you go, fist bump. He probably, you know, in Biden's defense, he probably thought that dude was there to get his luggage. Right. He didn't have any idea who he was. <laughs> Gives him a dollar tip on his way out. <laughs> but, um, I, I'd never heard the word inflation with Trump. I never heard uh, the word high gas prices with Trump. I always always heard about stock market being up through the roof, 401k. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Now, I will disagree with you on one thing. I think you can blame more than one person for this because I think it's more than one person that makes up Joe Biden. I think it's the multiple people that act like Joe Biden that actually call the shots here, whether it's Klain, whether it's Susan Rice, whoever these people are that are collectively Joe Biden, that's where you can put this blame. Well, yeah, and, and Republicans too, the people that voted on the, the, the crazy stimulus bill. I mean, the crazy spending, it's just out of control.
role. Now, MSNBC's Chris Hayes, one of the great butt sniffers in all of media, <laughs> he is willing to play ball. He is willing to run with this ridiculous narrative that, well, if you elect the Republicans, things, things are going to get worse for the economy. I feel confident in predicting that if Republicans win control of one or both houses of Congress, they will do everything in their power to sabotage the economy. How are we going to know if the Republicans are sabotaging the economy? Is it just going to be business as usual? Because <laughs> that's what it looks like right now. The bar is so low. Right. Right. But, okay, what are Democrats running on? Climate alarmists? Uh, what, what, what do they have to run on the, these midterms? Well, the climate change crazies, abortion. The, yeah. And that's, trust me, when you're paying $5.50 a gallon at the gas pump, and you're trying to decide whether or not to buy food or to fill the gas tank all the way. Abortion ain't anywhere near it. No. And bad news for you. <laughs> Chris Hayes here. Is he really just kind of laying the groundwork to blame the rising unemployment rate and the housing market crash, which is going to be inevitably happening sometime next year on the Republicans if they win the House and they win the Senate? Because nobody's going to be sworn in until January, but there's a good chance next year because of the economic hell that we're in, there's going to be a housing crisis. There's going to be a market crash. You're going to see rising unemployment. This is that little weasel, Chris Hayes of MSNBC, trying to get in early and saying, well, we told you it would get worse under the Republicans. Do not be fooled by this. Let the record clearly state, October 14th, 2022, at 513 in the afternoon, we already broke Chris Hayes' argument. And this is what's going to happen moving forward. When I'm going to the movies, I take up seven rooms because of you're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. All right, Hammer, what's your uh, go-to breakfast sandwich? Oh. Like if you're on the road or you're on a road trip or, or maybe even you have to be at work early, you want to stop by somewhere you're hungry, where are you stopping at? What's the what's the number one place? Man, one? like McDonald's is closest to my house. Me too, yeah. But if I'm ranking them out as my favorite I'm going to go Hardee's with the sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. That is my go-to of the breakfast sandwiches. So I would say I keep it simple in the morning. I'm not terribly hungry in the morning. If I have to get something on my stomach, probably I'm going to go simple. I go easy. I go plain. It's hard to screw up a sausage biscuit. Yes. For McDonald's. That's the Jacob Hammer favorite. Sausage, I don't need cheese. I'll eat it with cheese. I'll eat it with egg. But nine times out of ten, my order gets screwed up when I go. <laughs> I just keep it as simple as possible. Someone tried more than 40 fast food breakfast sandwiches. And the three best were, in this order, McDonald's Sausage, Egg, and Cheese McMuffin. The classic, the Sausage, Egg, and Cheese McMuffin, the iconic. Wendy's Hot Honey Chicken Biscuit. I've never had that. Sounds good. And Chick-fil-A's Chicken Biscuit. Oh, I forgot about I the forgot chicken about biscuits. Yeah. We, uh, just the other day, I had to take uh, Jacob to an orthodontist appointment. And this was out in Plainfield. So on the way back, we stopped at Chick-fil-A and we got breakfast. We got the chicken minis. So it's yeah. like the smaller version of these little chicken biscuits, yeah. and you get like 10 or whatever in a box, and oh, man, those are so good. I could deal with the honey, too. Those honey chicken biscuits I've had, I can't, maybe I've had them at, 
can't remember where I've had them at. It wasn't Wendy's, but uh, Chick-fil-A definitely has the... I don't know if they put honey in those or not. I can't remember right. But I, I'm, I'm saying I'm not mad at the honey aspect of the... In the morning. Right. On, a, on some sort of breakfast sandwich with chicken. Now, okay? unfortunately... As I look at this story about the uh, breakdown of the 40 fast food breakfast sandwiches, last place on pretty much everybody's list was Burger King's breakfast menu. No. I'm not mad at a croissant, I'm not at all. But you have to get like a fresh, like, croissant, which bun if whatever it's called because sometimes if you get one that's a little hard, it's a little crusty, it ruins the whole croissant experience. You're gonna have uh. All the time, every time, no questions asked. As a side, hash browns. All right? Okay. Whether it's the big kind of oval-shaped surfboard-looking hash brown that McDonald's has, or the like, Burger King does have. When I worked at Burger King, uh, it, when a te- when I was a teenager, they had the um, the little round, the little round ones, round round hash browns. They're a must. Yes. I would open up Burger King all the time. I had to get there at like four thirty in the morning, and I'd. Be definitely making some hash browns on the side that I could nibble off of while I was making orders. Now, I think I already know the answer to this question, but I want to get your opinion here, Nige. Am I a super fat ass? Because I consider <laughs> biscuits and gravy a side. Not a main meal? No. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're super fat ass for sure. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, man, yeah, like yeah. if you go to Hardee's, which again, I still maintain Hardee's is number one seat on the breakfast okay. menu for fast food places, burger type joints. You get the uh, sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, but then you get the like the little side of the gravy and you dip the biscuit Ooh. in the gravy. Okay. The gra- if you're talking about just the gravy. Well, yeah, but you get the biscuits that go with it and, you know. You can Boy, do what you want with those. Boy, you, you're going to shoot right back up to three hundo. <laughs> you lost all that weight, and man, now you're saying, yeah, bacon. What is it? Uh, sausage. Uh, sausage, sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, and you dip it in the okay, gravy. Good Lord. <laughs> hey, hey, Friday's my free day. I had Taco Bell earlier, and I had a few donuts. May or may not oh have mixed in with God, a few beers today. That's what you had in that other bag was donuts? I saw because we walked in together. I saw the Taco Bell. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I didn't know if it was for, I thought it was possibly for a bit that we were doing. I don't know. I never know when you're walking in with Taco Bell. No, no, that was breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Again, Friday is my uh, free day. So bis- biscuits and gravy, are, is, that's a main meal. That's not a side. No, I'm sorry. All right, so on Twitter right now, <laughs> at Hammer and Nigel, um, fast food biscuits and gravy. Is that a side or is that a main meal? I'm not talking about the kind that like your wife or somebody makes where it's a big, massive serving and there's a big skillet full of gravy. I'm talking about the type you would get from McDonald's or Burger King or Hardee's. Is that a main meal or is that a side at Hammer and Nigel? Uh, Elon Musk, a lot of chatter about Elon Musk. Sounds like he's about to get investigated for his practices of trying to buy Twitter. Found out yesterday that there's some documents floating around that Twitter still not happy with the way that this thing played out Hmm. or is playing out. So they're looking into the buying practices of one Elon Musk. Now, this is also at the same time where he's released a new cologne. We're not making this up. This really? is not a bit. This is the name of Elon Musk's new cologne, Burnt Hair. It's $100 what? a bottle. 
and the website calls it the essence of repugnant desire. Now, the name is kind of a spinoff of um, <laughs> what we saw in Anchorman. Smells like a turd covered in burnt hair. <laughs> Smells like Bigfoot's... Yeah. I gotta censor myself there. Elon Musk says it's the finest fragrance on earth, and he says he's already sold ten thousand bottles of this. So again, with Elon Musk, you look up eccentric billionaire in the dictionary. There's a picture of this cat, right? Like SpaceX clearly doesn't warrant all of his attention. Twitter doesn't warrant all of his attention. His underground tunnels that he's building in Vegas don't warrant his attention. He gets bored and he comes out with a cologne. And again, it reminds me a little bit of that scene in Anchorman. She gets a special cologne. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. <laughs> it's illegal in nine countries. It's made with bits of real panther. So you know it's good. It's quite pungent. <laughs> it's a formidable scent. It stings the nostrils in a good way. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. Every time. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make sense. All right. Uh, tell me if you're okay with this. Now, normally when we play, are you okay with this? It comes to me. Yeah. I want to run this by you. You're the resident rock and roll expert here. ACDC, one of the most rocking, kick-ass bands in the world, yeah. if not the most. Yep. They got a new children's book out oh, called no. the ACDC ABCD High Voltage Alphabet. It's aimed uh, at, there's some adult jokes in there too. Like for an example, page one is A is for Angus, who thinks it's good luck to wear a school uniform and walk like a duck. <laughs> Angus is the iconic lead guitarist right. for, for ACDC. Okay. So ACDC putting out a new children's book. Are they better than this? Are you okay with this? Uh, I don't know. If I, I guess I'm rolling my eyes, but if I had to read anything to my kids you know you want to read them at night i remember taking my kids to the the babysitter's house on my way to work and we would jam out to acdc you shook me all night long and back in black and yes sometimes i would occasionally listen to highway to hell with my kids and they i said it was the word help they said dad what's that mean i go it's help it's the highway to help you're helping people you stop over and you help somebody on the highway <laughs> and now they're old enough, 10 and 8, where they're like, hey, no, he says hell, Dad. Um, so uh, I guess if I had to read my kids a book, maybe that would keep me a little more interested. Because it's all about me, obviously. But aren't they really better than this? I mean, for God's sake, Kiss has their own line of coffins. I mean, Gene Simmons, there's not a product he out there he won't sell. So precedents have been set. I don't think they need the money. But you're right. They they might be better than this. They're On right. Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel, Gerald, fast food biscuits and gravy is a side because it's runny and there's not enough sausage. Yeah. Jonathan, biscuits and gravy, always a side, no matter how much is there. Will, it's a meal. Too many calories to be a side. Don't forget about the McGriddle. Um, oh, I could rock a McGriddle. Yeah, those are good with the syrup inside the biscuit. Sure. And Jay tweets at us. By the way, gravy is not a beverage. Thank you for that. <laughs> Spanning the globe. Worldwide. Online. The Hammer and Nigel Show. 93 WIBC. Superman.
My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here, attorney at law and longtime broadcaster here on 93 WIBC. Abdul Hakim Shabazz joining us live. Abdul, how are you? Always good to be here. All right. Uh, how big a deal was it that Diego Morales did not show up for this Secretary of State debate? I think I think it was a lost opportunity. I, I really do. Uh, I, I understand what Diego's trying to do, which is run up the Republican numbers. That's why he was at the Ward County Lincoln Day dinner down in southwestern Indiana. Is it concerning he doesn't have those yet? Well, the thing is, he's trying to run up their he's trying to run up their numbers because there are some people going to vote Republican no matter what. So if you got an R by your name, he's like, hey, I got your vote. So he's doing the Lincoln Day circuit because those are the diehard uh, Republicans. The problem is. If you're an undecided voter in the Secretary of State's race, you probably watch the debate, or you're probably going to watch a clip of the debate to see okay, where the candidates are. Let me make up my mind. And so, I think there's a difference between getting 100 people who are probably going to vote for you anyway versus a few thousand people who are undecided. I'd go for the few thousand people. How important is that position as Secretary of State in terms of voters in recognition? Like, obviously, if you're a voter, uh, you're going to go out and vote for, well, yeah, governor. I'm going to vote for uh, governor. But, like, how, like, for the Secretary of State, do a ton of people know who Diego Morales or any of the other candidates are? Uh, the, the Secretary of State is the chief elections officer of the state of Indiana. And so, from that perspective, the, state, the Secretary of State is an important office. I understand uh, it's an important office, but how important is it to the average voter? Um, I would say you know, no, no more or less than the auditor, treasurer, okay, right, that sort of thing. So the kind of person that would watch a debate for Secretary of State, you would have to think they're probably into this thing. They're a politico because why else would you watch a Secretary of State debate? <laughs> That's my point. Yeah. Wouldn't they kind of already have their minds made up? At well, that point? It, de- it depends on the candidates too, because Diego's had you know shoe drop after shoe drop after shoe drop after shoe drop. And so if you want to like, okay, who who is this guy? What's he all about? Oh, there's a debate. Hey, he's not here. Where the hell is he? He's down in Warwick County right now. I'm talking to a bunch of Republicans. So he was trying to raise money and uh, get votes. Yes. That's his excuse? Yep. It just seems a little odd okay. that less than 30 days until the election, in a very red state of Indiana, he chooses to skip out on the debate to go shore up the Republican base. Like, if you don't have that part already locked up, that tells me there's some red flags here. You want to be a political analyst when you grow up? <laughs> <laughs> because because you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. The thing is, we're, we're early voting started already this week. So people have already started their, their voting process. If you don't have your base by now... You got some major issues and some major problems. This is why I think what he's trying to do is those Republicans who'll vote for him regardless. He's trying to just run up the, run up their numbers with get out the vote. But I'm not convinced that's a, I'm not convinced that's the best strategy. Now, this past week there was the Marion County Prosecutors debate. Uh, this took place in the morning on I think it was Monday or Tuesday, and it aired. Uh, it took Tuesday place Monday night. morning or Tuesday evening. Yeah. yeah, it took place Monday morning. It was recorded at Warren Central High School, and it played back Tuesday night on RTV6. Prosecutor Mears taking on the challenger from the Republican side, Cindy Carrasco. I watched it. You watched it. What was your takeaway? Uh, I think, once again, they were talking to their respective constituents. Uh, if crime is your big issue, then crime is out of control. You're a big Cindy fan. You probably still are. Although she, although she, she, started, she started a little bit slow, but then got her, got her groove as the debate went on. Uh, Mears has been in front of a million television cameras, so he was, he was fine from, the, from a performance perspective. But uh, I thought it was interesting near the end of the debate, he basically you know, said Cindy had no experience as a prosecutor. We can't necessarily trust her. Cindy's response is, well, we can't trust you either because you do have experience as a prosecutor, but this is your experience with yeah. homicides <laughs> being what they are, you know, plea deals, that sort of thing. 
One of the things that caught my attention, and again, I think this is the worst kept secret in Indianapolis, was when Ryan Mears was asked about the aggressive homeless problem downtown, specifically on Monument Circle, his solution was take them all and put them in hotels near the west side. And this has kind of been happening for a while when the city has big events. That Crown Plaza over there by the old airport airport has always been one of the places. No vacancy. Right, right. Um, So I thought that was interesting. I don't know if that's saying the quiet part out loud or if they're ready to go forward with saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to basically pull a DeSantis and move them from one area to another area. Well, they need to do something. Because as I uh, put up on my Twitter feed earlier today, uh, I got word from the, that the Starbucks right on Monument Circle is closing at the end of the month. Oh, man. Because it's of, been there uh, forever. Because of employee safety and liability. Uh, employee safety with all the homeless people and panhandlers outside the door. Wow. You got panhandlers coming in. I see cops out there all the time. Yeah, but unfortunately, the cops, can't, unfortunately the cops can't be there 24 hours a day. So yeah. I was told that they were going to be closing around the 28th of October. And it's not like this is some right-wing Republican-ran business where it's political. Like, Starbucks is the woke of the woke when it comes to companies, and even they're saying, yeah, this stuff, we can't handle this. We're getting the hell out of here. Uh, exactly. And so that's why when, uh, when when Ryan said the downtown was safe, I was like, well, I, I believe for the downtown is safer than it used to be, but I believe the public perception that it is not safe, and perception eventually becomes reality. Yeah. Right. You could walk around Monument Circle, and Nige, I text you the number every day. I take two laps around the circle before the show just to kind of get the blood pumping a little bit. I've ran into you before, Abdul, and the amount of homeless eight folks- Eight to 12. Yeah, are eight to 12, just around that small little radius of Monument Circle. That's it. That's not even counting like the side streets, the alleys, and things like that. Exactly, because uh, Indianapolis has a homeless and panhandling problem, and this, uh, what, I, what I would recommend the city do is do what they do, what they did up in Chicago, is- uh, you have your you have your private property, which is your skyscraper buildings, but in addition to owning the building, the, the city has a deal where the build the building owners owns like six feet from the from the door, so six feet on the sidewalk. So there's homeless people sleep like, hey, you're trespassing, you got to move, you got you got to get going. Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer. One second, I know there are people with with mental health issues and other issues, and I get that, but you got to have the tough love first in order to get people the help they need. Is there one more thing before we move on about um, Prosecutor Mears, his whole spiel about how he's not going to prosecute marijuana violators, how he's not going to um, you know, enforce any rulings or any laws involving abortion. Does that play into uh, people voting for him? Is that a roundabout way of saying, hey, vote for me, I don't prosecute marijuana violations? Uh, well, he doesn't prosecute simple possession of marijuana. I understand. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's yeah, that's if you if you if you got like guns in the back in the trunk of your car and and, and the kilos cut down into grams for distrib- distribution later on, you're, you're probably going to go to jail. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Mears is where the public is on marijuana on simple possession. Prosecutors like does jail really somebody really belong in jail for possessing a joint? No, I probably wouldn't have said I'm not going to prosecute any marijuana thing serious or or going forward. But I said, hey, you know what? We're going to take a serious look at uh, what are the best use of our limited resources. Is that a big deal, though, for an undecided voter in Marion County? It feels like there are so many other things to look at in this prosecutor's race, whether it's sweetheart plea deals or GPS monitoring devices or things like that. Does weed actually play here? I, I, think, for, I think for 10% of the population it does. Now, will those 10% show up and vote? That remains to be seen, or will they be asleep? Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Abdul Hakim Shabazz with us. We've got a Senate debate coming up this Sunday. Um, this is for the seat currently occupied by uh, Todd Young. Now, it was about a 
week or so ago, Abdul, your polling outfit at IndyPolitics.org showed that at that time, Todd Young had just a 2% lead in that race. Yeah, he was within the margin of error. And and Todd's issue has been, once again, those undecided Republicans. Whereas when, and massive spending. There's yeah. that. Yeah, well, well, well they, um, actually, I'm going to get to that. Whereas with Diego Morales, it's more the establishment Republicans that Diego has to win over. With Todd Young, it's more the MAGA Donald Trump Republicans that he has to win over. About, about a quarter of them are still undecided, which is why the race, in our opinion, was so close. So the, the thing is going to be when Todd gets on stage uh, Sunday night, how does he how does he walk that tightrope and appeal to those 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 MAGA Republicans, but also at the same time win those moderate Republicans over? Because he's going to have a really tough time justifying why you signed off on some of these bills, like the one now that, in a roundabout way, allows legal gun owners to have some of their transactions traced. This was a bipartisan bill that Todd Young signed off on, and again, there's a lot of these stories that go back to Todd Young. And see, and the thing is, for for for, for folks like Todd Young. Who are, who are who 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 is a who is a moderate conservative? He's, he's Todd Young has never been a big fireball, you know, throwing throwing stones and throwing rocks at the other guy. That's just never how Todd has has been. He went on a Stop Washington Waste tour, and that dude has spent more money than Bernie <laughs> Sanders. Well, like why Stop Washington Waste? Well, we'll keep, keep watching keep watch Washington Waste our, our money. And so that for for Todd, that's the challenge. It's how do I how do I win the MAGA Republicans over and of the moderate Republicans over? Uh, what are you paying attention to in the movie theaters, Abdul? You and I always have this discussion. Uh, uh, like, uh, what's what's caught your eye coming into the theaters? And uh, the last the last movie I actually saw uh, was up in Noblesville. They had an airing of uh, the original Superman, nineteen seventy eight. There you go, Christopher Reeve. Yeah, Christopher Reeve. Yeah, okay. Uh, right. Christopher well, Reeve, then, Gene Hackman, Marlon Brando. It's funny you mentioned that because the the comic book uh, just canceled the uh, Superman's gay son in uh, this comic. Did you read about that? Like uh, Kal El. Yeah, actually, I, actually, I get the book, and the book, the story isn't bad. It's it's an interesting story, and and see what what Marvel does and what DC does is they try to have characters that sort of adjust how society is right now. I remember when the Black Panther was a big deal back in the mid, you know, 1960s, or the She-Hulk back in the 1980s, uh, and they made Thor a woman for a while uh, because Thor is a hammer, not necessarily an individual. So that does not surprise. But at the end of the day, it's how do books sell? It's that it's simple. Just either, either books sell or, or doesn't sell. And it could be, it could be, it could be. I don't think it was the, the character being bisexual. I think it was more just the writing, was was the issue itself. Also, the rescuing uh, uh, illegal immigrants from evil ice agents, yeah, or it's, something like something along those lines. Also, uh, Superman went off and out of space for a while, but now he's about to come back. So they'll sort of wrap all that. Uh, I've been, uh, I've been seeing, I've been seeing. Um, also, real quick before I let you go, I've been seeing previews for the new movie with the Rock, the superhero called Black Adam. Does that look good to you? It looks interesting. That's, up, up, a, that's um, a character in in the yeah in the, he's he's a, he's a Shazam Captain Marvel type okay he's sort of, he's sort of an anti hero I thought the trailer looked pretty pretty good pretty well done yeah I, I, I'm I'm always I'm always cautiously optimistic cautiously optimistic <laughs> yeah okay. like okay this is gonna be good but I'm gonna catch a Sunday matinee after the second week so after after we got all the crazies <laughs> do you have a show this weekend <laughs> uh, yes we were talking to our pollster. Uh, uh, Andrew Weiser, just to kind of walk through everything that he did. And also got some thoughts about Diego Morales and his campaign and whose fault his problems really are. And here's a hint, get a mirror because it's his. When's your show? Uh, show uh, this Saturday, 1 to 2.30 because we got IU football at 2.30. Abdul, thank you. Hey, thank you. Big Nod, you ready to drink? I'm ready to drink. Are you ready to drink? Look at me. I'm ready to drink. I we will tell. have beer sample Friday next. Right now. Amber and Nigel present. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, beer sample. Fry. Yeah. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down and get you some.
My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Welcome to Beer Sample Friday, proudly brought to you by Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus with free delivery up to 75 miles. Hammer, all these big box giant corporate retailers charging you out the wazoo for furniture delivery. Spencer and his brother Nick and the Thompsons do it for free. Just got to make a short trip down to Columbus. It's nothing. Family-owned business since 1927. They take care of us here at the Hammer and Nigel yep. Show, so make sure you guys go take care of them. All right, so sometimes we, uh, we'll just go to the liquor store and we'll look for something we haven't had yet. Sometimes a brewery will bring beers to us. Yep. And every once in a while, there's a theme to the beer that we've got. And this is a themed beer this week, my friend. So the name of this beer, Nige, is what... Frank Reich and Chris Ballard will say if they lose to the Jags this weekend. I love it. When they see that phone call coming in from Jim Ursay, okay. this is what they will say if they lose to the Jags this weekend. This is a beer from Metazoa Brewing, a fine local brewer, uh, very pet friendly, and they love dogs because they have an area where you can bring your dogs and pets and come outside and sit outside. The name of this American Amber Ale, Ruh-Roh. Ruh-Roh. Like Scooby-Doo Scooby saying, uh-oh. <laughs> And I'm telling you, once that phone rings and that caller ID says Jay Ursay, if they lose to the Jags, uh, that will be the exact words from Chris Ballard and Frank Wright. Just real quick, before we do this, like I, I was gone for the Thursday night debacle. I was down in Florida. I fell asleep, missed the end of it. And from all accounts, I didn't miss anything, right? I mean, was It was that, the worst was... game I think I've ever watched. <laughs> Ever. Like my wife was giving me a bunch of crap because I fell asleep and, you know, I would have been drinking at the beach all day. And and, and I go, apparently, I didn't uh, really think I missed anything, uh, judging, by, judging by Twitter. You scored and- the same amount of touchdowns asleep <laughs> as the Colts and Broncos right. did that entire game. <laughs> all right, let's crack this open here. So, Metazoa oh, yeah. row Here we go. Love a good American Amber Ale in the fall, man. Oh, this is good. This tastes like football (sighs) season right here. This tastes like fall. Leaves are changing colors. And dag nabbit, don't lose to the Jags again. What's the line? Two. (laughs) Colts are a two-point home favorite. The over-under is a pretty low 42. (laughs) All right, we have (laughs) it. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7, on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.